Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Seattle Mariners 4, the Cleveland Guardians nothing. I'm David Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And it is not enjoyable baseball right now at the corner of Carnegie in Ontario. Uh, the Guardians start that scoreless streak right back up because they are shut out again. Again, God, in their own ballpark, they are shut out again, and they had their opportunities in this one. We got a lot to talk about. We, you know, we got to talk about what went down in this game. We got to talk about the state of the Guardians right now. We got to talk about the rookies. But I'm doing all of this at midnight. That's right. Couldn't go to sleep after this one. I had to get on the mic. You know, I had a lot of thoughts running through my head about the rookies. And really what we've got, I mean, 15 different rookies have made their debut, but what have we really gotten out of that? So that's the thought that's keeping me up right now. And because it's midnight here in Cleveland, it's a little bit of a different vibe. This show transforms into Cleveland Baseball Nightly. All right, so you're probably thinking to yourself, Davey, what are you talking about? Stephen Kwan has been amazing, right? Well, he's one of 15 rookies that have made their Major League debut with the Guardians this season. And we're going to go through them really quick because I want you to really assess and think to yourself. I mean, we just watched Gunnar Henderson, right, make his debut for the Baltimore Orioles. Now, incredibly small sample size. We saw two games. Some of these guys have had very successful like first series, but can they sustain? Can they keep it going? Can they actually contribute to this team? And let me just run through these numbers, and then you answer me if you think the answer is yes. So Oscar Gonzalez, uh, I'm just going. I have no idea what order these things. What this is? I oh, it's in it's an order of home runs. All right, let's go by batting average here. So, Stephen Kwan kicking things off for the Guardians, right? The Guardians were, he's obviously has been here the whole season, broke camp with the team. Been amazing. 295, uh, 369 on base, still has more walks than strikeouts, 49 walks to 48 strikeouts. Kwan could be a fixture in this team for a long time. Could be the face of this team one day, frankly, the way he plays. Oscar Gonzalez started off very strong. Gonzalez did. He's still hitting 279. He's got a 305 on base, but a 429 slugging. Uh, has brought 25 extra base hits, 20 doubles, and uh, five home runs. But, but lately, I mean, his last seven games, he's hitting 143 with four singles and seven strikeouts. His last 15 games, he's hitting 203. With an OPS just above, uh, about eh, just under 600. So, yeah, uh, he's cooled off. Gonzalez has been an interesting prospect, but he's cooled off. Palacios is next, hitting 245. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess he's pinch hit a couple of times. He, he actually gets a pinch hit hit in this one, but really has Palacios popped? Like, is he really impressed as a hitter at a 245 batting average at a 608 OPS? Nolan Jones is that guy who had a kind of a hot start, 
uh, that first few games, you thought, wow. And then really cooled off. He only, in 86 at-bats, he hit 244 with a 681 OPS. So he didn't really explode onto the scene, right? Tyler Freeman hasn't really exploded onto the scene in 36 at-bats. He's only hitting 222 with a 611 OPS. It's been... It's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Frankly, he hasn't gotten enough at-bats. He's he's ridden the bench a lot. He's only played in 12 games since he's been called up. Did get to hit in the two-hole tonight and uh, did have a hit in that first inning, but that's about it. Alex Call was hitting 167 in his brief 12 games, 12 at-bats. Didn't really get a chance, but only a 167 batting average. Will Benson, it's only a 158 batting average and a 396 OPS. So, no, he doesn't have an extra base hit yet. Uh, He's got six hits. Again, uh, he didn't start in this one. He had a hit yesterday, but uh, he didn't start in this one. He hasn't gotten the opportunity. He's only played in 18 games. He's only gotten 38 at-bats. Really need to see more Will Benson to see what he is but only a 158 batting average. Arias in limited time. Remember, he played in six games earlier this season, played in some double headers, only 19 at-bats, a 105 hitter. And Brian Lavastida, uh, remember, he played in six games really early in the season, finally got a hit in what was looking like his last game. Uh, so a, a .083 hitter so far for his major league career. So Lavastida was the last hitting rookie on this team. Are, are you impressed? Let's move over to the pitching. Connor Pilkington has made nine starts, 12 appearances, and he's carrying a 417 ERA. He went one and two. He's got a 1.61 whip, 24 walks to 40 strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. Pilkington, uh, not really impressing there. Kirk McCarty has made two starts but appeared in seven games, but he's carrying a 5.55 ERA. I don't think any of us have been impressed by McCarty. He's got a 1.48 whip, a 2.77 batting average against. Xavion Curry now making his second start. He got a 5.79 ERA. He has six walks to three strikeouts. What? That's not supposed to happen. He's got a 2.04 whip. Walk hits per innings pitched. What was Xavier Curry doing in the minors? I'm just curious what his strikeout-to-walk ratio was. Uh, he was at a 9.6, uh, 9.6 Ks per nine so far in this minor league season, but split between AA and AAA. He was only giving up 3.08 walks, so it was a 3.14 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Not in the majors so far. Cody Morris got his first appearance yesterday, now carrying a 9 ERA in his two innings with a 3.00 whip. Uh, Hunter Gaddis had that one start earlier in the season, went three and a three and a third inning, two walks to two strikeouts, a 2.70 whip. He's carrying a 21.6 ERA. Gave up eight runs in three and a third inning. And then Tanner Tolley, uh, he's made three appearances in relief. He's carrying a 6 ERA with a 2.33 whip. Now, these are not the top elite prospects, some of these guys. Some of them are. Some of them are. I mean, Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman have been at the top of the list for a long time. Arias is at the top of the list as far as prospects go. On the pitching side, okay, maybe not. 
Maybe not. Curry had been climbing that list. Cody Morris had been climbing that list. Some of these other guys, maybe not. But are you are you really like what is happening? Why can't our rookies? Why aren't any of them showing up and actually having good games at the major league level? Why haven't any of the pitchers really come up and impressed at all at the major league level? We're supposed to have this incredibly deep farm system. We're supposed to be this pitching factory. Why haven't any of these guys popped at the major league level yet? Some of the second-year guys, yeah, out of the bullpen, some of the second-year guys. We're going to talk about one of them as soon as we get into the game. But where has the pitching been? Where has this pitching factory that we're known for been? Why isn't Xavion Curry coming up and having success? Why isn't Pilkington and Gaddis and Morris coming up and having success? On the hitting side of things, you know, even though a hot start from Oscar Gonzalez and Nolan Jones, they both cooled off. Quan is the only one who's been able to actually hang at the major league level so far. Of all these batters that I told you that have gotten an, an opportunity at the major league level. So yeah, this is what's keeping me up at night. Why aren't our rookies finding any success when they take that step? I know it's a hard step. I know it's the hardest step in baseball. To go from AAA to the majors is the hardest step in baseball. But we're seeing it all around the league. We're Rookies are having some success. Why aren't our rookies seeming to be able to take that step? Is it because the best of the best prospects are still waiting to come up here? Right? Guys like Valera, Gavin Williams on the pitching side. Is it just because our best of our best aren't ready yet? Or is it because they're not getting enough opportunities? You know, they're, you know, Owen Millers of the world and Ernie Clements of the world have stolen at-bats from these guys throughout the season. I, I can't put my finger on it, but what do you think? What do you think? Have you thought at all about these rookies? Have you thought about why they're not having any success? So, yeah, uh, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because Xavion Curry gets the start tonight, and it does not go well. We lose 4 nothing to the Mariners, and frankly, it's a really rough box score. Like, I thought he was keeping us in the game for a little bit there, but then things get completely out of hand in the fifth inning. His final line is four and a third innings pitched, gives up five hits, four runs, only three earned because of a Jose Ramirez error on a grounder that he just can't get out of his glove. Looks like he wanted to underhand toss it to second and just kind of fumbles it and can't get it out of his glove. So four runs, three earns, five walks, zero strikeouts, and a solo home run allowed. On 93 pitches, he's only hard hit five times, but he does himself no favors with five walks. And now we're getting into the storylines of this game. Because this this is the top storyline of the game. I mean, Curry looked like he might have a decent start. But then these walks. Aside from the solo home run in the first inning where, you know, they turn on a fastball. uh, Ty France turns on an inside fastball. All right. He turned on an inside fastball. The next three runs are all placed on base via the walk. In the second inning, uh, he does himself no favors here. Uh, after Frazier flies out, he walks Cal Raleigh. This is the eight hitter. J.P. Crawford reaches on that error by Jose Ramirez. Julio Rodriguez singles to load the bases. He gets Ty France to pop out, who just hit a home run off him earlier. And then he walks Mitch Hanniger. Now, I get it. You don't want to 
give a meaty pitch to Mitch Hanniger, but you walk in Cal Rowley. So you put him on via the walk, and then you bring the run in via the walk before Eugenio Suarez lines out to end that threat with the bases loaded. So he seems to settle down, gives up a single in the third inning, but it doesn't turn into anything, gives up a single to lead off the fourth, but gets the next three guys out, the top of the order out, after giving up a leadoff single to the number nine hitter. That's usually trouble, but he gets out of it. Fifth inning, a line out to start things from Suarez again, and then he walks Winker, he walks Santana, he walks Adam Frazier. They go and bring in, uh, they go out to the bullpen and bring in Sandlin, and he can't get it done. He gives up a single to Cal Raleigh. He battles J.P. Crawford, but ends up walking J.P. Crawford. So Jesse Winker reached via walk, comes in on the Cal Raleigh single. Santana reached via the walk, comes in on the J.P. Crawford walk. Uh, Sandlin is eventually able to get out of it. He strikes out Julio Rodriguez and gets Ty France to line out at 101.4 miles per hour. So he's able to get out of it eventually, but way too late. I mean, way, way too late. It's a tough situation for Sandlin to come into, but if this is a playoff game, he has got to come in and shut that down. That's what a playoff relief pitcher would do. And, you know, giving up two runs in that situation is not good enough for the playoffs. And that's kind of what this team is thinking right now. At least they were supposed to be thinking that. Right now, they're thinking, can we possibly have a good offensive game? But they got to be thinking about the playoffs a little bit here, considering they're in first place in the division in September. And the Twins helped them out again. The Twins almost, almost, they came within one batter of getting no hit by Dylan Cease and the Chicago White Sox. So the Twins were trying everything they can to keep the Guardians up there in the division. They're playing just as bad as bad a baseball right now. So close to being no hit. The look on Cease's face when he gives up this hit with two outs in the ninth inning to Arise, Luis Arise, of course. It's just, he can't believe it. He can't believe it. He strikes out the next hitter. uh, So it's a complete game shutout for him, but he can't get the no hitter. But it keeps us in first place in the division by a game. So yeah, so uh, all those guys that come in to score via the walk. And it's five walks on the day. All five walks are from the fastball. In fact, most of the things that happen to Xavion Curry on this day are because of the fastball. Uh, it's a high fastball over the head to Jesse Winker that he walked him on. Uh, uh, to Cal Raleigh, it's a high fastball over the head. To Santana, it's a high fastball at the chin. To uh, Mitch Hanniger, it's a high fastball up at the shoulders. Uh, and then the walk to Adam Frazier is a fastball that's down. So four of the five walks come from fastballs basically up over the shoulders. And then everything he was getting hit, the home run by, or the double by Suarez uh, was a four-seam fastball. The home run by Ty France was a four-seam fastball. The single by Carlos Santana, four-seam fastball. And then the single by Julio Rodriguez is a slider. Just one outlier there in a ton of fastballs that either caused walks or got hit. So the fastball was not Xavion Curry's friend on the day, we can say. Um, as far as the location goes, yeah, he was missing high a ton with it. He got a fair amount in the strike zone. He did have a fair amount of fastballs at the waist, uh, you know, between the waist and the knees. So I can't say that he was stuck up there the entire game. I think Cody Morris yesterday was really stuck at the top of the strike zone a lot more. But when the, when the at-bat was on the line, 
Curry was missing at the top of the zone, walking four guys up there. As far as the CSW numbers go on that pitch, uh, I mean, they swing 17 times. They only whiff three times. They put 11 in play. They It's called strike 13 times. So basically 30 times out of 58 pitches, 30 times uh, they're either swinging or it's a called strike, which means nearly that many times, nearly 30 times, 28 times, it's a ball. He's missing with it for a ball. So nearly half the pitches, just just under 50% of the time, he's missing with that fastball for a ball. It's not good enough. That's not good enough on the fastball. Uh, Robbie Ray on the other side, 30 swings, four called strikes, which means he's only missing for a ball with that four-seam fastball. On 42 four-seam fastballs, he's only missing, if I'm doing my math right, eight times. He only threw eight balls with his four-seam fastball. Xavier Curry threw 28 balls with the four-seam fastball. you got to locate your fastball better. Everything else is built off of that as a pitcher. You've got to locate that pitch better. So, yeah. So that's what was going on. That's how the Mariners score all their runs. Uh, the bullpen somehow comes in and actually shuts everything down. After that, uh, they get through the next four innings. Hold that for a lead. Try to give the offense a chance. Trevor Steffen is fabulous in the sixth inning. Strikes out the side, all with splitters. 100% whiff rate on the splitter. Four swings, four whiffs for Trevor Steffen. Great stuff out of the bullpen from him. Karinchek shuts him down uh, in the seventh. Classe actually pitches the eighth, and De Los Santos gets the ninth. So it's a quiet stuff from the bullpen. Those four guys combined for four innings, one hit, Five strikeouts, no walks, good stuff from the bullpen. All right, but they're trying to keep the offense in the game, and the offense just doesn't want to do it. They end up going 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position, and multiple times in this game, they waste opportunities where they had back-to-back singles. Quan and Freeman lead off the game with back-to-back singles. The only problem is Quan gets picked off of first base and is caught stealing second. He gets both on the play because they did pick him off first base, but he he broke. He went, he left early, and Ray caught him through to first. They throw down a second and tag him out. He just figured, I'm gone. I might as well keep running. So Quan gets caught stealing there, so it wastes Freeman's single right after him. It could have been something to start this game. Instead, it turns into nothing. Uh, in the third inning, back-to-back singles. This time, it's Straw and Quan with back-to-back singles. Freeman grounds into a double play to end the threat in the third inning. Uh, the next time they would have back-to-back singles would be to lead off the fifth inning. Back-to-back singles to lead off the fifth inning. Andres Jimenez with one of his patented infield singles where he slides head first into first base. It actually worked this time. He actually beat Robbie Ray to the bag. Luke Maley would single. Straw would line out. Quan hits into a force out, and Freeman would strike out to end the threat. So they go quietly again. Again, they waste back-to-back singles to lead off an inning. Uh, They would single to lead off the seventh, but they can't turn it in anything. And then uh, they do get two singles in the ninth inning, but Straw would fly out to end the game. So multiple, multiple times, they are wasting opportunities. Once again, they out-hit the Mariners. They did this yesterday. Nine hits to seven. They out-hit the Mariners. 
But my God, they just can't. The walks prove much more powerful and deadly than the hits do on this one. Because those guys that walk come around to score. The Guardians only managed one walk on the day. And obviously, he did not come around to score. So the offense is given multiple, multiple opportunities and end up going 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. (sighs) Robbie Ray has himself not as good a start as he did last time he faced us. Going over to his game log, uh, the last time he faced us, he went seven innings in that one, only three hits, seven strikeouts, no walks. It's pretty good in this one. It's not as good as that. He only lasts six innings in this one. Gives up six hits this time, but still no runs, still no walks, only three strikeouts in this one, but it's enough. It's enough to get the job done. And like we said, his fastball was pretty sharp on the day, uh, inducing weak contact, frankly. 86.2 mile per average exit mile per hour. Average exit velocity off of that four-seam fastball. Sorry, it's getting late. Uh, off of the slider, we put five sliders in play, but only 79.4 mile per hour exit velocity. It's an 86.3 average exit velocity total on the day. Yeah, inducing more weak contact. That's been a theme through this entire losing streak. We're just not squaring the ball up. We're just not making hard contact. This is a team that usually when they get two guys on base, they would just turn it into like a four-run rally. And it's just not there right now. It's just not there right now. So uh, we fall again. Uh, frankly, that that's really all my notes on this one. I mean, teams have been jumping on us early. Early. The last three games... The last three games, this one, the Seattle scores in the first, scores again in the second, jump on us early. In Friday night's game, they scored one in the first, two in the second, jumped on us early. On Thursday's game against Baltimore, they scored two runs in that first inning and jumped on us early. So the last three nights in a row, our starters have come out and given up runs in the first inning or first and second inning. Well, that's not a recipe for success. Now, granted, yes, two rookies have pitched the last two days, but still not a rookie recipe for success. We've seen rookies come out against us. We've seen them make their major league debut and pitch very well to start the game, especially the first time through the lineup. <sighs> this rookie thing, I something has to be done about this rookie thing. If we're building our team around rookies and young guys, and yet our rookies are coming up and having no success, what what is going on with Francona and Willis and, you know, Valeka that they can't seem uh, to connect with these rookies when they come up and get them prepared for these major league games? Other teams seem prepared when they face us. The rookies seem prepared when they face us. Our rookies don't. They seem like they're being thrown into the fire instead of being like, you know, it was a big deal when Gunnar Henderson made his debut. They had an awesome highlight package for him. He came in with all the confidence in the world that dude was going to destroy. Our guys don't seem to be coming with the same confidence. So, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm clearly fired up tonight. Clearly in a bad mood about this Guardians losing streak that they've been on. Uh, I, I honestly can't believe that the Twins and White Sox have done us such favors that we're still in first base. We're in a in first place. We're on a four-game losing streak. And it's been worse over the last seven. I mean, it's been rough stuff uh, for the Guardians. 
over their last 10 games. It's just, man, this looks like a team that even if they can hold on to the division, it looks like they're going to get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. And I saw someone on Twitter say, hey, you know, that playoff experience would be valuable. And yes, I agree it would be valuable. But still, I, I want this team to be competitive. I, I, I miss those days from earlier in the summer where people feared facing the Guardians. They feared a Guardians rally could happen at any time. You remember uh, back, I don't know how many of you are Cavs fans, but uh, back in the Cleveland Clav- Cavaliers season, they'd have these things called Cavalanches, where just like the bench would come out onto the floor and just start knocking down threes. And next thing you know, Cleveland is like rattled off like 15, 18 unanswered points. And the game, it would just be a blowout from there, be a rout. They called it a Cavalanche. We kind of had that earlier in the season where suddenly we would just, there'd be like five singles in an inning and we'd put three, four runs up on the board and it would just be this avalanche of runs, this momentum avalanche. And we're just, it hasn't been there for like the last two weeks. It just hasn't been there facing playoff competitive teams. So we've got one more chance to try to take it to Seattle. We've got one more chance. By the way, don't blame the fans because 26,000 people showed up for this Saturday night game. Do not blame blame the fans. I don't care if the attendance sucks on Tuesday night and Wednesday night. I can't blame anyone for not going. But they showed up for a weekend series against Seattle. The fans were there. The place was packed and ready for a good baseball game. And he threw up goose eggs on the board. A bunch of zeros. So don't blame the fans, please. Don't blame the fans here in Cleveland. We still support this baseball team. Maybe we don't come on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, on weeknights, okay? Look, it's hard to make it down there on a weeknight. But we packed the place for a fun weekend series against the Seattle Mariners, and the team has not showed up for it. They have not fed off that. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, We do have an email Chris in New Jersey, he's just as fired up as I am. He was uh, emailing in response to some of the things that went on with the uh, September call-ups and the injuries to the pitchers. So let's take a look at Chris's email really quick here. He says, I completely agree with you. I, I just don't understand recalling Ernie Clement as that extra position player. Yeah, he brings defensive versatility, but his 2022 WRC plus is, is 44 Remember, a plus stat is where league average is set to 100, which means he's 56% worse than league average per fan graphs. Nothing against him, but he's just not a priority prospect and doesn't seem to help make the current roster any better. I'd much rather we see more of Nolan Jones or Gabriel Arias or start to learn about Bo Naylor or Will Brennan. We can even use the DH spot as an option for any of these players as well. I completely agree with you, Chris. I completely agree. There were there were guys who, yes, maybe have had their struggles this season, but offer so much more potential offensively than Ernie Clement does. I don't think Ernie Clement is ever going to turn into a 300 hitter or miraculously turn into a power hitter. Uh, but that's kind of what this team needs. Uh, he mentions it later in his email. He says, it wasn't really issue at the time of the trade deadline as the offense was clicking, but this team really needs an impact right-handed power bat that can play first base, and I just wish they had done something at the deadline. So yeah, this team needs some pop on offense, and Ernie Clement is not going to provide that. Jones might have, Arias might have, Bo Naylor might have, 
Brennan offers it in a different way, not pop more than the way Stephen Kwan offers it. But yeah, we could have used some offense. And I agree with you about the trade deadline. I mean, remember they said they didn't want to mess with the chemistry of the team at the trade deadline, right? You don't know what bringing a new guy into the clubhouse is going to do. Well, now that we're on this losing streak and we're getting our butts kicked by playoff teams, are you that worried about chemistry right now? Or would you rather have somebody in this lineup that can maybe offer a little, I don't know, veteran presence, maybe offer a little spark pop offensively? Don't you think that would have been valuable? Instead of not, oh, we don't want to mess with this young core's chemistry too much by bringing in, you know, someone that could have really helped them, really helped get this offense going. Maybe an RBI. You know how long, it's been so long since we've had a, you know, we scored one run over the last how many innings? We haven't had an RBI in all that time. His other note is, as for Plesak, I can't believe he'd put the team in that situation again over some degree of continued immaturity and getting frustrated about giving up a home run, which is just part of the game as a pitcher. Yeah, he's not lighting the world on fire, but he's serviceable fourth, fifth MLB starter, which is something we can't quite yet say about Cody Morris or Xavier Curry. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast about you know our rookie pitchers in this pitching factory. Yes, a Plesak is a valuable member of this pitching staff right now because our young guys aren't ready to come up and steal his spot and take his spot and, and earn his spot. They're not. They haven't come up and proven that they belong in this rotation, so they keep getting back, bounced back down to AAA. So, yeah, I, there is value to Plesak. I, 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 I hate the immaturity stuff because I am a person that can fly off the handle and get angry. Anyone who's played old man softball with me or golf, especially golf, knows I can fly off the handle and yeah, I get angry a little bit. I don't think it's immaturity. Some of you know, some of us just run a little hot. Some of us just run a little hot sometimes. And uh, so I, I hate that word. But I I at least know like if I'm gonna hit something, I at least know not to break my hand. Uh, you know, when I get angry, uh, you know, I take it out on inanimate objects or something like that. I don't break my own bones over my anger. So th- there, it was a little bit of a dumb decision by Plesak to punch the pitcher's mound and ends up breaking a finger and, you know, breaking a bone in his hand. Uh, I bet he wishes he had that back. I bet he wish he would have kicked the rosin bag or something else in his anger. I mean, it's okay to let anger out. It's okay to let anger out, but you just got to pick and choose how you do it. All right. Uh, So, yeah. So, thank you, Chris, for the email. Uh, He says, I hope the Guardians wake up soon because the Twins are now only one game back with the White Sox now re-emerging into the AL Central race, too. Wouldn't that be a story if uh, Tony La Russa leaves the team for medical reasons and then without him, they end up actually coming back, putting themselves back into this race and winning the American League Central, wouldn't that be a story if if La Russa was actually holding them back in some way? So uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you for the email. I feel you. I feel you on why Ernie Clement was called up and not some of those other names. I feel you on uh, Plesak, and I feel you with the trade deadline comments. So thank you, Chris, for the email. Look, all right, we're going to wrap this thing up. 
If you're as fired up as Chris is, you know the email by now, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. You have to be morning people. You have to be. The ones that are sticking with me through the losing streak here and have been listening to every episode, you've got to be fired up like I am tonight. This is not the normal nightly vibe, is it? No, I am in a bad mood tonight. Uh, so you've got to be as fired up as I am. And so let me know. Hit me up in the email, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. We do do MVP on the day on this show, and there is one this time. There is clearly one. There is clearly one man uh, who stood out above the rest, even though it didn't help us win. Uh, it at least kept us in the game after Curry and Sandlin combined for those two runs given up in the fifth inning, and that's Trevor Steffen. I mean, striking out the side in that sixth inning with the splitters, with those nasty, nasty splitters, dropping out the bottom of the zone, strikes out the side in relief. That definitely deserves MVP on the day. And on a day when nobody can put across an RBI, can put across a run, uh, we're going to the bullpen, and Trevor Steffen is taking home MVP on the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, it's in the show notes. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Nightly.